Section 12 of A Failure of Initiative. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Richard Ship. A Failure of Initiative. Final report of the Select Bipartisan Committee to investigate the preparation for and response to Hurricane Katrina by the United States House of Representatives. Pre-Landfall Preparation and Katrina's Impact, Part 3 U.S. Army Corps of Engineers the Army Corps of Engineers, USACE, another active duty military unit, provided substantial resources to prepare for and respond to Hurricane Katrina. Under the National Response Plan, the USACE, as the lead federal agency for public works and engineering, ESF number three, provides relief and response support to FEMA. To meet these responsibilities, USACE has pre-awarded competitively bid contracts for all of these functions to allow quick deployment of resources prior to and immediately after an event. These pre-awarded contracts are part of USACE's Advanced Contracting Initiative, ACI, which has been in place for about six years. USACE took a number of preparatory steps in anticipation of the hurricane season in general and for Hurricane Katrina specifically. Over the summer, the USACE New Orleans District participated in an annual hurricane preparedness exercise conducted by the regional headquarters. In July 2005, the district sponsored a hurricane preparedness conference for federal, state and local emergency managers. In addition, USACE had equipment and supplies, including those needed to repair levees, pre-positioned in various locations along the Gulf of Mexico. When Katrina approached, the New Orleans district monitored the situation and evacuated most staff, establishing a temporary district headquarters in Vicksburg, Mississippi. The district commander and eight staff remained in New Orleans, retreating to a bunker designed to withstand a Category 5 hurricane. Their objective was to monitor the levee system, stay in contact with local officials and provide post-storm assessments to the USA's chain of command. U.S. Coast Guard Well before arriving in the Gulf of Mexico, Hurricane Katrina was closely watched by Coast Guard officials as the storm approached and eventually passed through southern Florida. By Thursday, August 25th, the 7th Coast Guard District, based in Miami, had prepared for Katrina's arrival by partially evacuating Coast Guard boats, aircraft and personnel, and closely monitoring Katrina's progress across the Florida Peninsula. As Katrina cleared the 7th District, the 8th District was busy executing hurricane plans in anticipation of Katrina's arrival. On August 27th, the 8th Coast Guard District's Incident Management Team, IMT, based in New Orleans, relocated to St. Louis in accordance with Coast Guard hurricane plans. The 8th District set heightened readiness for all units, ordered the evacuations of personnel and dependents from units along the Gulf Coast in the anticipated impact zone, and closed the entrance to the lower Mississippi River to all commercial maritime traffic. 
on august twenty eighth the coast guard activated personnel to support air and swift boat operations under esf one and positioned liaison officers at fema regions four and six and to state eocs in florida louisiana and mississippi the Coast Guard's computer hub in New Orleans dropped offline, resulting in no computer or internet connectivity to all coastal ports within the 8th District. Coast Guard units resorted to using phone and fax machines to communicate. The 8th District commander requested additional Coast Guard air assets and personnel to support rescue and recovery operations. Coast Guard aircraft and crews from Louisiana, Alabama, Florida, New Jersey, Massachusetts, North Carolina, Georgia, and Texas were pre-staged to provide rapid support. 8th District Commander Rear Admiral Robert Duncan contacted Blanco to discuss damage assessments and response efforts. Sector New Orleans Operations and Critical Communications personnel evacuated to Alexandria, Louisiana. Non-essential Coast Guard personnel and dependents in the New Orleans area evacuated to the Naval Air Station in Meridian, Mississippi. Coast Guard helicopters, originally located in New Orleans, relocated to Houston and Lake Charles, Louisiana, to avoid Katrina's path and prepare to begin rescue operations. All Coast Guard cutters and small boats relocated to safe locations or traveled out to sea to avoid the storm. In Mississippi, a Coast Guard incident management team was established in Meridian. Duncan contacted Barber to discuss damage assessments and response efforts. Non-essential personnel and dependents from the Gulfport and Lockport areas relocated to Naval Air Station Meridian. In Alabama, helicopters from Aviation Training Center Mobile deployed to Shreveport and Jacksonville for storm avoidance and prepared to respond. Also, a transportable multi-mission communication center was pre-staged at Sector Mobile to provide temporary communication support. Non-essential Coast Guard personnel and dependents relocated to Maxwell Air Force Base. On August 29th, the day Katrina made landfall, the Sector New Orleans Incident Management Team was established in Alexandria, Louisiana. Outside of the forecasted area of impact, Coast Guard disaster assistance teams from Ohio, Kentucky, St. Louis, Pittsburgh and Miami were pre-positioned to the region to respond as soon as conditions permitted. During normal conditions, there are 15 helicopters assigned within the 8th Coast Guard District, along with four fixed-wing aircraft and 16 cutters. Within 12 hours of Hurricane Katrina making landfall, the Coast Guard assigned 29 helicopters, eight fixed-wing aircraft and 24 cutters to the area to support rescue operations. Pre-landfall preparations by the American Red Cross The Red Cross's Gulf Coast area preparation was far along two days before Katrina made landfall in the Gulf Coast. As of 2 p.m. on August 27th, Carol Hall of the Red Cross reported to the White House and the Department of Homeland Security, among other governmental organizations, that it has every resource at its disposal on alert, moving in anticipation of this event to include personnel, equipment and materials. According to Hall, key aspects of this preparation included chapters across the region opened shelters in support of evacuations in all states, 275,000 heater meals were staged in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. 
225,000 heater meals were staged in Montgomery, Alabama. Fifteen sites were identified to bring in big kitchens with the support of Southern Baptists to provide 300,000 meals per day feeding capability. All 14 disaster field supply center warehouses loaded supplies including 50,000 cots, 100,000 blankets, comfort and clean-up kits. All vehicles in the Red Cross fleet across the country were placed on alert for possible deployment and were dispatched to staging areas. All eight emergency communications response vehicles, ECRVs, deployed to staging areas. Red Cross staff deployed to NRCC, Region 6 RRCC, Region 4 RRCC, ERT A's and other ESF number 6 posts. By August 28th, the Red Cross started to understand the magnitude of Katrina. One of its disaster operations reports remarked, if Katrina makes landfall at its current pressure, it will be the most intense storm to hit the U.S. mainland. On the same day it was reported, for the first time ever, an ESF-6 coordination center will be set up tomorrow at American Red Cross National Headquarters to coordinate the deliver sick mass care services with our governmental and non-governmental organization partners. As Katrina made landfall on August 29th, the Red Cross was fully staffing all of the relevant state and federal EOCs, including Alabama, Louisiana, Florida, Mississippi, Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee, FEMA Regions 4 and 6's RRCC, FEMA's NRCC, as well as ERTA teams in Florida, Alabama, Mississippi and Louisiana sites for 25 kitchens to feed as many as 500,000 people were identified and pre-staged. Trajectory and impact of Hurricane Katrina Finding The accuracy and timeliness of National Weather Service and National Hurricane Center forecasts prevented further loss of life. Timeline of Hurricane Katrina and NWS warnings to federal, state and local officials. At 5 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, EDT, 4 o'clock Central Daylight Time, CDT, the National Weather Service, NWS, reported that Katrina's projected path had shifted 150 miles to the west toward Mississippi and projected that Katrina would make landfall as a Category 4 storm. By 10 p.m. CDT that same night, the NWS projected that landfall was most likely at Burris, Louisiana, 65 miles south-southeast of New Orleans. NWS proved extremely accurate. The final landfall location was only 20 miles off from Friday's forecast. Since meteorological conditions that affect the track and intensity of the storm were relatively stable, NWS was especially certain of the accuracy of its prediction, even 56 hours from landfall. At 10 a.m. CDT on Saturday, August 27th, the National Hurricane Center, NHC, issued a hurricane watch for southeast Louisiana, including New Orleans, which was extended to Mississippi and Alabama later that afternoon. Later that evening, between 7.30 and 8 p.m. CDT, 35 hours before landfall, Max Mayfield, the director of the NHC, called state officials in Louisiana, Mississippi and Alabama to inform them of the storm's intensity and its potential to be devastating and catastrophic. At Governor Blanco's urging, Mayfield also called Ray Nagin. 
Despite media reports indicating Mayfield encouraged Nagin to immediately order a mandatory evacuation, Mayfield just told officials the nature of the storm and that he probably said to the mayor that he was going to have some very difficult decisions ahead of him. Similarly, Mayfield said that the purpose of his calls there to the governors of Louisiana and Mississippi was really just to make absolutely sure that they understood how serious the situation was. In public advisories issued at 10 p.m. CDT Saturday, 32 hours before prior to landfall, NHC warned of storm surge forecasts. At 7 a.m. on Sunday, August 28th, NWS advisories characterized Katrina as a potentially catastrophic storm. Additionally, at 4 p.m. CDT on Sunday, the storm surge was predicted to be 18 to 22 feet and locally as high as 28 feet with large and battering waves on top of the surge, meaning some levees in the greater New Orleans area could be overtopped. Although it was reported that Mayfield cautioned the levees would be breached, no such warning was issued. What I indicated in my briefings to emergency managers and to the media was the possibility that some levees in the greater New Orleans area could be overtopped, depending on the details of Katrina's track and intensity, Mayfield said. Also, on Sunday, August 28th, the NW office in Slidell, Louisiana, which is responsible for the New Orleans area, issued warnings saying most of the area will be uninhabitable for weeks, perhaps longer and predicting human suffering incredible by modern standards. Ultimately, NWS and NHC proved remarkably accurate in capturing Katrina's eventual wrath and destruction. It is important to note the hurricane risk to New Orleans and the surrounding areas was well recognized and predicted by forecasters long before Hurricane Katrina. The 33 years I have been at the Hurricane Center we have always been saying, the directors before me and I have always said, that the greatest potential for the nightmare scenarios in the Gulf of Mexico anyway is that New Orleans and southeast Louisiana area, Mayfield said. The NWS and NHC are not without critics, though. AccuWeather Inc., a private weather service company, has said the public should have received earlier warnings that Gulf Coast residents and New Orleans residents in particular were directly in Katrina's path. AccuWeather issued a forecast predicting the target of Katrina's landfall nearly 12 hours before the NHC issued its first warning and argued the extra time could have aided evacuation of the region. Responding to this criticism, Mayfield said premature evacuation can lead too large of an area to evacuate, causing unnecessary traffic and congestion on the roads. As Mayfield testified, the mission here of the National Hurricane Center and then the National Weather Service is to provide the best forecast that we possibly can, and then the emergency managers at the local and state levels will use that, then they will call for evacuations. Ultimately, as Mayfield tried to convey, NHC and NWS can only forecast, issue warnings and provide timely information to the state and local decision makers who determine who and when to evacuate. The timeliness and accuracy of the forecasts saved lives. No government can blame inadequate response or lack of advanced warning. Katrina makes landfall. Hurricane Katrina made landfall at Burris, Louisiana, on the southeast corner of Louisiana at 610 CDT on Monday, August 29th. 
Katrina had maximum sustained winds of 121 miles an hour and was unusually large, measuring approximately 400 miles across. Its eye was at least 30 miles wide. Though it had weakened from a Category 5 to a strong Category 3 storm by landfall, the damage and loss of life from the storm was staggering, with effects extending from Louisiana through Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and the Florida Panhandle. The three states most directly affected, Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana, each suffered significant damage, with NHC noting that many of the most severely affected areas along the Gulf Coast could take years to completely rebuild. Alabama, Impact of Hurricane Katrina Though Alabama was not where Hurricane Katrina made landfall, damages there were substantial. According to the NHC, despite being more distant from the eye of Katrina, the storm surge over Dauphin Island, Alabama, destroyed or damaged dozens of beachfront homes and cut a new canal through the island's western end. Two deaths were reported during Hurricane Katrina in Alabama. However, these deaths were the result of an auto accident and unrelated to the hurricane. Katrina caused significant damage along its coast with a wave surge of 13.5 feet, exceeding the 100-year flood level of 12 feet. Bayou La Batra and, as noted above, Dauphin Island received the brunt of the storm in Alabama, losing 800 and 200 homes respectively. The storm caused wind damage as far north as Tuscaloosa County. Mobile Base spilled into downtown and flooded large sections of the city, destroying hundreds of homes. The sheer power of the storm dislodged a nearby oil drilling platform, which became caught under the U.S. Highway 98 bridge. As of early January 2006, federal assistance to Alabama had exceeded $500 million. Specifically, FEMA reported that, to date, it had provided $117 million in assistance to individuals and families for housing and rental assistance, and $348 million for public assistance, crisis counselling, disaster unemployment assistance, and various mission assignments to other federal agencies during the disaster response. The public assistance funds were provided for, among other things, infrastructure costs, debris removal, and road and bridge repair. The costs for mission assignments to other federal agencies included the use of military aircraft for rapid needs assessments, shipments of ice, 280 truckloads, water, 186 truckloads, MREs, 103 truckloads, generators, 11 truckloads, cots, 27 truckloads, and blankets, 32 truckloads. The Small Business Administration, SBA, has approved over $68 million in loans to homeowners, renters, and businesses. Mississippi, Impact of Hurricane Katrina In reporting casualty and damage statistics for Hurricane Katrina, NHC noted that the storm surge of Katrina struck the Mississippi coastline with such ferocity that entire coastal communities were obliterated. Some left with little more than the foundations upon which homes, businesses, government facilities and other historical buildings once stood. According to the NHC, the Hancock County EOC recorded a storm surge of as high as 27 feet. This surge likely penetrated at least six miles inland in many portions of the Mississippi coast and up to 12 miles inland along bays and rivers. 
even in areas that may have been spared the destruction of the storm surge hurricane force winds wreaked havoc according to pearl river county ema director bobby strahan for example his eoc one county inland twice registered wind speeds of one hundred and thirty five miles per hour all told at least two hundred and thirty one mississippians died during hurricane katrina in the three coastal counties alone sixty six thousand may have been displaced from their homes due to flooding and or structural damage to their homes at peak levels on august thirty first mississippi's power companies reported nine hundred and fifty eight thousand customers were without power and that over nineteen thousand households were still powerless as of the end of september damages to mississippi's economy were also substantial the state's agricultural forestry gaming maritime and poultry industries all suffered extensive damages for example the state reported that its two biggest crops poultry and forestry were very hard hit with at least two years worth of timber destroyed worth one point three billion dollars and the value of the poultry industry dropping by six per cent due to hurricane damage including the estimated loss of eight million birds and damage to two thousand four hundred of the state's nine thousand poultry houses three hundred of which were totally devastated the state's dairy industry suffered losses estimated to exceed six million dollars and twenty per cent of the expected rice and corn harvests may have been lost the costs and volume of response and clean-up activity in mississippi reflect the enormous damage katrina left behind for example a month and a half after landfall the state reported the total cost of assistance it received via emac was over three hundred and twenty seven million dollars one hundred and seventy six million in civilian costs and one hundred and fifty one million in national guard expenses according to the national emergency management association NEMA, which administers the emac commonly requested resources included firefighters search and rescue personnel hazmat personnel emergency medical technicians state police sheriffs fish and wildlife personnel corrections personnel livestock inspectors bridge inspectors airport maintenance personnel ambulances medical doctors registered nurses and national guard troops in total at least thirty three states aided the law enforcement response effort in mississippi through the emac federal costs in mississippi have also been substantial fema reports that as of january fourth two thousand six it had dispersed in mississippi just over one billion dollars in assistance via its individuals and households program and obligated to the state and local governments six hundred and sixty six million dollars in public assistance to repair things like roads and bridges sba fema reports has approved home business and economic injury loans totaling over five hundred and twenty nine million dollars usace has installed nearly fifty thousand temporary roofs through its operation blue roof program making that effort ninety nine per cent complete and in addition to the efforts of local governments and contractors removed more than twenty three million cubic yards of debris while just over thirty thousand fema travel trailers and mobile homes are now occupied in mississippi four shelters housing seven hundred and fifty nine people remained open at year's end louisiana impact of hurricane katrina 
on august twenty eighth at ten a m c d t the n w s field office in new orleans issued a bulletin predicting catastrophic damage to new orleans including partial destruction of half of the well-constructed houses in the city severe damage to most industrial buildings rendering them inoperable the creation of a huge debris field of trees telephone poles cars and collapsed buildings and a lack of clean water as previously noted nws predicted the impact on louisiana would be a human suffering incredible by modern standards unfortunately much of what the nws predicted came to pass with intense gale force winds and massive storm surge the effect of hurricane katrina on southeast louisiana was indeed catastrophic after eleven a m cdt on august twenty ninth several sections of the levee system in new orleans breached and eighty per cent of the city was under water at peak flooding which in some places was twenty feet deep the extensive flooding left many residents stranded long after hurricane katrina had passed unable to leave their homes stranded survivors dotted the tops of houses citywide flooding in the ninth ward sent residents onto rooftops seeking aid many others were trapped inside attics unable to escape some chopped their way to their roofs with hatchets and sledgehammers which residents had been urged to keep in their attics in case of such events clean water was unavailable and power outages were expected to last for weeks katrina took approximately one thousand one hundred lives in louisiana most due to the widespread storm surge induced flooding and its aftermath in the new orleans area fatalities included some of those widely seen on the media bodies at refugee centres such as an old woman in a wheelchair who had been covered with a cloth and a man dead on the interstate in addition to flooding contaminated water also caused deaths on september sixth e coli was detected in the water supply and according to the centres for disease control and prevention cdc five people died from bacterial infections caused by the toxic waters the economic and environmental ramifications of katrina have been widespread and could in some respects be long-lasting due to effects on large population and tourism centres the oil and gas industry and transportation the hurricane severely damaged or destroyed workplaces in new orleans and other heavily populated areas of the northern gulf coast resulting in thousands of lost jobs and millions of dollars in lost tax revenues for the affected communities all told forty-one of louisiana's sixty-four parishes suffered serious damage thousands of homes and businesses throughout entire neighborhoods in the new orleans metropolitan area were destroyed by the flood strong winds also caused damage in the new orleans area including downtown where windows in some high-rise buildings were blown out and the roof of the louisiana superdome partially peeled away as of mid-january two thousand six the federal costs fema reported for louisiana were enormous specifically fema said it had provided four billion dollars directly to katrina victims for financial and housing assistance through its individuals and housing program an amount it projected will eventually grow to a total of seven point seven billion dollars including costs from hurricane rita in late september two thousand five fema had paid out an additional three point one billion dollars in housing assistance to victims of katrina and rita and projected it will pay seventeen billion dollars in claims under the national flood insurance program to policyholders in louisiana 
Likewise, loan activity in the wake of Hurricanes Katrina and Rita has been substantial. FEMA has approved $539 million in community disaster loans in Louisiana for essential public services in hard-hit communities, including a $120 million loan to the city of New Orleans, and SBA has approved $1.3 billion in loans to homeowners and renters and $252 million in disaster assistance loans to businesses. End of section 12.